he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We're glad that you have chosen to join us for this week's sermon of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. God's Word is full of timeless truths that are relevant to our lives today. Here's this week's message. We have over the last uh, few weeks kind of been going through uh, some of the minor prophets, prophets that... um, uh, we, we don't perhaps hear from very often. We have uh, discussed over the last few weeks, we have uh, heard that uh, God is greater than our adversary. That last week from Nahum, we learned that uh, uh, our God is the one who, whose words show us that uh, whatever comes against us does not get the last word. We've heard also from uh, Obadiah and uh, borrowing from Jonah a little bit that we are saved to reflect grace even in the face of those who have previously been enemies. And, and in Amos, we, we heard that we are called indeed to speak truth in love and to be able to speak with the authority that God has given us. We also learned in Hosea that God's grace is greater than His judgment and that He can indeed choose to have mercy and show mercy even where before it seemed like there wasn't room for that. And in Haggai... Today We're going to hear from this prophet, and we are going to find that indeed grace meets us precisely where the trials are. In Haggai chapter 2, I'm going to just read the first nine verses. In the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. And say, who's left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit abides among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once again in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I'll shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come. And I'll fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give prosperity, says the Lord of Lords. In this passage, Haggai begins by kind of setting the scene, letting us know when this is taking place. And this is the people of God getting ready to come back to the promised land after they've been exiled. After the Babylonians have taken them away, their nation has become nothing, the, the temple has been destroyed, it is, uh, it is that former house that is no longer there. And they're wondering and they're thinking, okay, what's going to happen next? It's King Darius who said, okay, yeah, you guys can go. We'll let, you, uh, uh, we'll let you go out there. We will let you finish the work that Cyrus said you can do. You can go back to your nation. And they're thinking, okay, what happens here? And immediately the prophet says to the people, as they say, is this safe? Can we really do this? Can we, can we t- step forward in the plan that God has? It says, be strong or be courageous. I want you to know that you can do this. And this message is given to Zerubbabel, who is the governor of the area. This message is given to Joshua. 
Now, Zerubbabel is, is a name that means like the descendants of Babylon, generally speaking. That last part, Babel, from Babylon. But even that first prefix, Zeru, is a... I found myself thinking, I wonder how much it actually means the descendants of. It is a Hebrew word, Zerah, which means basically to, to scatter or sow seeds. Which, of course, in old language, is a way of saying, okay, um, we are going to continue on the generations. Uh, but also, I find in the New Testaments, when, uh, when letters are written by Paul to the church, the, the people who are scattered around the world, he calls them the ones who are scattered. And so there's a part of me that can't help but think, as this prophecy is directed to Zerubbabel, this governor who's going to lead the people to, to rebuild, that he is saying these words not just to the one who's named the descendants from Babel or those who have been scattered because they've been exiled in Babylon. He's saying it to the entire group of people who make up those descendants. That this name is meant to also signify the message is for everybody. We find that sometimes in the Scriptures where the name means, of course, the individual, but also takes greater meaning. Jacob becomes Israel, and oftentimes you find in like Psalms, for instance, there will be words referencing Israel, and they're calling them Jacob. We actually got that a couple weeks ago when, when we heard uh, Esau being used in that way to talk about the Edomites, the ones who were descendants of Esau. That name came to mean a group of people. So I can't help but think, as much as the prophet is speaking to the governor, he's also speaking to the entire group of people who are saying, wait, we're being uprooted again, this time to go back to our land? Are we going to be safe there this time? What's going to happen? And he says, be courageous. And he says to Joshua, who's the priest, be courageous. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read those words, be courageous, Joshua, my mind immediately went to other places where I've heard that exact line. Perhaps the most common passage of Scripture I've heard preached, I've heard from, in the book of Joshua, and in the Old Testament, is when Joshua is getting ready to take on the mantle as leader, to lead the people into the promised land, after Moses has passed away. And he's getting ready to lead them into the promised land. And they're scared. They're going to a new land. There's big people around them. There's other established nations and groups and tribes around them. Okay, God, are you going to lead us through? And the word of God to Joshua is this. Be strong and courageous in chapter 1. He says it again and again. Be strong and courageous. At one point in time, he says, be strong and very courageous. It's this word to the people of God. You may not know what's going to happen next, but know God is with you. And know that you can be strong in the midst of uncertainty. In the midst of not knowing what is going to happen, be strong and be courageous. When God says these words to the people about being strong, about being ready, just, just going for strength here is not some kind of like, um, uh, uh, don't let anything phase you. Just... Uh, just, just, just grin and bear it. Just, just get through it. Just, uh, uh, just, just go with it. It's going to be okay as if somehow you can't be phased at all. Uh, when I was uh, a youth, my youth pastor once said to me, he said, Tim, I love your faith and you're going to be an example to people. He says, you are my mighty oak, he said. And I was like, okay. 
And he, and, he, and he borrowed that phrase from Psalm, the very first Psalm. The very first Psalm, says, uh, Psalm 1, 3 says, You are like the oak planted by streams of water, which yields their fruit in its season. Their leaves do not wither. And all they do, they prosper. And so I remember my youth pastor kind of trying to build me up and, and calling me an oak. And I remember one day showing up to, uh, ch- to church or whatever, and I don't know, I'd had a stressful week or whatever, but I was just a mess. I was just, it was just not a good week. And, um, and uh, he looks at me and he says, Tim, are your leaves withering? And I was like, no, 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 I'm the oak. And I'm like, you know, whatever, I'm going to be strong. And I, I, I took my strong pose or something like that. When God says to the people, be strong, be courageous, I don't think he means don't let anything phase you. Don't let anything disrupt you. Uh, To be strong or to be courageous in this means to be faithful even in the vulnerable times. And the times when we are most vulnerable and the times when we are weakest, be faithful because God is with you. Be faithful even when it is difficult. Like, we are supposed to be getting a thunderstorm this afternoon. In fact, there's a part of me that thought it was going to start before I started preaching. And when that happens, I want you to notice something uh, as you're going home, if it happens on the way home or later on today. Look outside at the trees, and you're going to notice that in the midst of the storm, that they aren't holding rigid and stiff and still. But indeed, they are being blown with the wind, but yet in being blown with the wind, they are remaining strong and firm, uh, uh, and they will, and that is indeed going to help them survive. To be strong, to be courageous for these people as they go into God's new plan is to recognize it's okay to be vulnerable, and it's okay to go through seasons and times indeed when it is difficult but to recognize that when God says be strong, He's not saying put on a brave face. He's saying just be faithful through this. God's with you. He's going to see you through. And even in those moments, you can be vulnerable, and that's okay. Be strong. Be faithful. And so He says, this is what I promised you. This is the covenant I made with you when you left Egypt. When he says these words, I want you to remember that just as you're getting ready to come back to Israel now from exile, uh, uh, this is a journey you made from Egypt when you left slavery. And he says, I want you to remember this. I made a promise to be with you, and that promise still stands. And when he asks them to remember this, that story, he is inviting them to put their lives in that history. At this point in time, it's hundreds of years later. The story of the Exodus from Egypt, well, that's a story their great-grandparents were telling. That, that's a story that is just kind of, it's, it's already at the point where it's just being handed down. They've been in exile for generations already. And not even to, to mention all the kings that lived before them. Like a significant amount of time, hundreds of years have passed. And he says, remember that story and know this, you can put your life in that story. My faithfulness then is still faithfulness today. And this means that we also, in the reading of Scripture, are able and invited to read our story into those stories. And so we sing a hymn like, Blessed Be Your Name, and we sing things like, Even in the Wilderness. We borrow the Exodus words to say, yeah, this this can be my story too, but yet still praise 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so God invites us, wherever we are reading Scripture, to find ourselves saying, okay, God, is the word you're saying for them still true for me today? In fact, I have found that one of the best ways of reading Scripture is, is shared with you every single week. Uh, at the bottom of your intersections page, there are th- four questions. And I found three of them particularly helpful, and the fourth one, of course, as well. But, but I have found in reading Scripture, there, there are three major questions I want to ask myself every single time I read Scripture. And I would suggest this for you, whether or not you are still reading the intersections uh, handout that we do in preparation every single week, or whether you are reading something else, I would, I would invite you to ask these three simple questions every single time. What's God doing here? What, what is God saying, or what is He doing, and how is He present? What's happening there? And then in the, whatever story or passage you read, okay, what are people doing? What are they saying? What are they thinking? Are they being faithful or not faithful? What's, what's happening here? And then finally asking that third question is, what do I learn about myself through this? What is God saying to me about this? And so those questions help frame everything in Scripture. And we start to be able to do exactly what Haggai is inviting them to do when he reminds them about coming out of Egypt. Your current situation now is not unlike where God has been faithful in the past. And I want you to see that God is with you today in whatever season of life you are in to know that God has a plan and a promise, and a future for you right now. He invites us always into those promises, into that story. Every Christmas, we make a big deal about another name used for Jesus, our Savior, Emmanuel, which means God with us. It is a reminder that that very promise God made with the people of God as they left Egypt as they left Babylon, throughout Scripture, that God continues to be with us today. In fact, he says to them in this passage, it is my spirit that remains with you today. His spirit that continues to work in our life. It's the spirit of God which continues to give life and hope when there isn't any. It's the spirit of God that continues to reassure us of who we are, even when we recognize, but things aren't the way I always thought that they would be. Yet God says, I am with you and I promise to be with you. Haggai here is inviting us to remember that God is near no matter what is happening in the world around us. In fact, the Lord here says, I'm going to shake things up a little bit. (laughs) The heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land, all the nations, everything is getting shaken. When the foundations of the world are getting shaken, it means something entirely new is happening. It means the way we understand the world is is changing. Our God who created this world out of void, out of nothingness, out of chaos, Genesis chapter 1 says, He creates an ordered world. In fact, even the days of creation are ordered. The, The world is created the way God has intended, and yet we might look all these many, many Millennia later say, okay, but the world seems to be back into chaos, back into uncertainty, back into uh, the, the world's foundations have been built on something entirely wrong. Exploitation, greed, violence. It is, it is a world that has found sin. 
And when he says in prophet Haggai, I'm going to shake things up, it's his way of saying, I'm going to set the world back to rights. To borrow a word from a, a book we were using in, uh, in a small group. I'm going to set things back to the way they ought to be. I'm going to destroy that which the world's been built upon that's based on lies, built on falsehood, based on just uh, uh, me, myself, and I. And I'm going to shake things up. And there's going to be hope and there's going to be future for you again. And so he says to them, when I do this, I'm going to fill this house with splendor and it is going to surpass the glory of the former house. He says, the silver's mine, the gold's mine. You think as you're leaving this land and going back to where the land I had promised, you thought, well, I don't know. It was comfortable here. I, we, 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 maybe we had started to make our way that Babylon's got all the money in the world right now. Maybe we shouldn't be going back. And he says to him, no, it's all mine. Don't look to what they have. Don't look to what anybody else has. It's all mine. Now, normally when I've heard the phrase, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, usually there's someone on a screen telling you what to do with your silver and gold. (laughs) When God says this in Haggai, I don't think he's inviting us to try to tell people what to do with their silver and gold. What he's doing is he's saying, This doesn't have the last word. This isn't what we are supposed to be about, which is also true for the church. It is not our primary existence and what we are about. What he's saying is all that which you might be concerned about, don't worry. God takes care of it. Don't worry about whether or not you have enough. God takes care of it. He owns it anyway. And so when they look and they think, okay, but we're going to go back there and the temple's been destroyed, there's no way it can be like the way Solomon built it, right? He says the the splendor of the former former house is not going to surpass the the, the splendor of the next house. He says it quite the opposite way. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former. Same message, uh, different emphasis. He's saying what you are going to do next, what God has in store for you is far better. You might remember a couple weeks ago I shared that uh, the word house and temple are sometimes the same word, bet. And so that, you know, and the way I remember that is like Bethlehem means the house of bread, where Jesus was born is the house of bread. And so he is, this is a specific reference to, okay, but is my faith going to be what it was? If I go through this trial, if indeed I step out in faith, What if things don't go the way that I thought they would? How is that going to affect me? Is it going to be the same? And I think sometimes in our life that happens. We look back and we say, okay, is my faith the same as it was? Or or has my faith been damaged? Or what, what has happened here? And God just promises us along the journey that if we trust Him and follow Him, that we might find that where God dwells, that indeed our worship and our faith might surpass that which we have ever had before. And he invites us to be strong, to be faithful in the midst of whatever happens and to see indeed how God has shown himself faithful through that season and through that moment. To remember that our God is one who is not finished with his people, And indeed, His covenant and His promise remains firm and steadfast through the generations.
And so the word of Haggai to the people of God, to the priests and to the governor is this. There have indeed been hard times, but there is grace as well. There is a promise and there is a future. Zerubbabel will be one who is understood as the governor, as as someone who is also of the line of the last kings. His name is going to show up in the genealogy of Jesus. That we are going to find that uh, there is a messianic hope in everything being said here. That our God is all about deliverance and salvation for His people. And so I say to a church today, to anyone watching, that wherever we are in life, that our God is one who says again and again, I am with you. I will see you through this season as well. And do not be surprised, at how, let it, or let us be surprised, by how much we find God's faithfulness to reign true and our faith in Him to be verified and to be strengthened because of God's faithfulness during seasons such as these. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank You that uh, we can find in, in words long ago prophesied a continuing theme. Indeed, uh, an opportunity for us to see ourselves and our story in the story of salvation and liberation of Your people. To see indeed that You are the God who is ever, ever present and ever faithful. And Lord, it's my hope that when we find ourselves in valleys, that we find indeed that You are the God who, are there, who is there with us. That we find ourselves in seasons of winter that we remember that You are the God who leads us to spring. That we find trial that You are also the God who brings grace. Thank You, Heavenly Father, for seeing again that You are the God who always leads with a promise and with hope. And it is not always just to some unforeseen, distant future, but it is for the present as well, for where we are, for the fears and concerns of today. It is to those concerns that You reach out and You bring Your presence and You bring hope. And I thank You for that. Help us to feel, to experience, to know the shelter of your embrace, the comfort of your care, the presence of your Holy Spirit. We turn to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today.